Good morning and welcome here. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Please stand as we sing together. You can turn in your hymnals to page 217, number 217, and we'll sing Christ the Lord is risen today, all four verses. Christ is risen. And one page over to 216. Let's stay standing and sing Christ arose.
screen behind me is the call to worship, so I invite you to read along where it says, people and all. Hallelujah! Christ is risen. Christ is risen we thank you, God, that you have answered us and have become our salvation. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. All right, as we get organized here, I just welcome you all again to this Easter morning service. And these next songs, um, please sing along, sing loud. They're maybe not as kind of familiar Easter songs as the hymns, um, but we just invite you to sing with us and continue worshiping our risen Savior.
on for the next song, In Christ Alone. together um, the confessions on the screen behind me again please feel free to read people and all in the middle we'll have about half a minute to a minute of silent prayer and so I'd encourage you to um, 
pray in, in the spirit of confession. Um, and if it's, if it's easier to stay focused, just focus on, on breathing and um, allowing the spirit to speak for you. Lord, we stand in awe at the thought of your resurrection. Can this really be true? Did this really happen? What kind of power is this? What does this mean for our lives, for your church? We confess to the Lord. Lord, heal our every thought of disbelief in your presence and power. As you re revealed yourself to your followers on that day, come to us with your delight and love. With joyful hearts, we renew our relationship with you. Amen. This next song we would love to just present to all of you as kind of a, a gift or an offering. So the words are on the screen so that you can see what we're singing and catch the beautiful words in this song. But please don't sing along. Please just read and listen.
let's pray. We'll pray for the offering as well as um, just a prayer for the service this morning. God, you have given us so much. All of life is a gift. The hope of eternal life is a gift. Forgiveness, mercy, grace is all gift. And we just thank you so much for this reality that we get to live in and believe in. Thank you for the gifts of our resources, including our money, our incomes, um, our time, our energy, our prayers. All of it is initiated and given by you. And so as we think about the offering this morning, we just ask that you would help us to be generous and live in the reality of the abundance that you have for us. Not that we'll be rich, necessarily, but that there is always enough in the kingdom of God. So please bless the gift and the giver this morning and help us to understand a little more of this reality of resurrection and new life that you offer us this morning. Amen. Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28, verses 1, 1 to 10. After the Sabbath... At dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The word of the Lord. All the kids can come to the front row of chairs. Anyone in the nursery want to come to the front? Come on over. Nice to see everybody. Come on to the front. Adriel, Jesse, you want to come? Don't worry. I won't make anybody talk into the microphone or do anything they don't want to do. Oops. Welcome, welcome. Come on to the front. Hi, Noel. Hi, Mary. All right. Can you find a seat? you squeeze in beside somebody? Okay, so today is Easter Sunday, right? Yeah. Um, do you know what I'm holding in my hand? A rock. Who wants to feel this rock? Feel how heavy it is? Oh, you're really strong. Pass the rock. You can feel the rock, the texture, the heaviness. This rock is literally just from my, beside my house. You're right, it's not even like that, that big. 
you want to feel this rock? Oh, it's so heavy. You're all really strong. So I'm imagining that the rock that was covering Jesus' tomb was a lot heavier than this rock, a lot bigger. Like if people were actually able to walk into that tomb, I'm imagining it was maybe like at least this tall. So people maybe had to duck to go into the tomb. So if this rock is like so heavy and it's only like the size of a ball or something, can you imagine how heavy that rock would have been, that stone that was covering Jesus's, the opening to the tomb? Wow. Can anyone read what it says on this rock? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. There were two people who said that in the scripture reading. Who said, do not be afraid? Do you remember? Yes, Jesus and an angel both said the first thing they said when people saw them. Do not be afraid. Wow, what an amazing sentence to remember. So if, if God can roll away a big, big, big stone that nobody could probably move, even if they pushed really, really hard, and if God is even powerful enough to push away death and to not be held down by death, that means God is pretty strong and pretty powerful, right? And I think that's why we can believe when, when God tells us, do not be afraid, because he's so strong and so powerful that we have nothing to fear. I'll explain it, but first, let's bow and bless our little ones. Dear God, we thank you for each and every one of the children of our congregation and all of the visitors as well. We thank you so much for what they will add to this world, what they add to our lives, or the overflowing life that we can see in them. So God, we pray a blessing on them. We pray a blessing on them over the weeks to come. And we pray a blessing on this service as well. Amen. All right, there is no children's church today, but at the same time, uh, if all of a sudden your little legs are just feeling restless and you just absolutely need to get out there and run, you can still go to the room over there. There's plenty of coloring things and stuff like that. So, and there's also a nursery right there. All right, I know what you're all thinking. Why is he not wearing shoes? Did any of you notice that? Ha! Huh. That is because what a wonderful day our Lord has made. So bright and shiny and so absolutely packed, filled with puddles that go over the rim of my shoes. So, <laughs> and also this, I guess. That, that's probably interesting to you as well. This is a signal that we have moved into a new stage of my ministry, I suspect, because yesterday, Charlene texted me and, and she said to me that she made this scarf for me purple because color of kingship and an Easter, that's, that's what you wear. And so I guess what that means is, is that if anybody else wants to make me a beautiful piece of clothing, apparently I will wear it here in front of everybody, but seriously, come and talk to me later. The, the detail on this is that I'm very impressed. So thank you very much. All right. If you have your bulletins on you, now, now is the time to take them out. There are a couple of things for us to notice on it. 
Uh, the first, prayer meeting at the church Wednesday at 2 p.m. And then Thursday, 7.30, there is girls' Bible study. Next Sunday at 9.45, Sunday school, 10.45, worship service. We are uh, lucky enough to have a Josh Duick from SBC coming to come uh, talk to us about his life experiences. Uh, and so I'd encourage you all to come out for that. I, I have been talking to him a little bit. Uh, he is First Nations and was adopted into a Mennonite family, and so his story is one that is absolutely amazing. So I'd encourage you all to come out for that. Then skipping down, April 17th, there is the Austin and McGregor MCC annual meeting at the Austin Hall. Uh, what I'm also supposed to add on to this is that if you have any idea of people that would make good board of directors, uh, come with them in mind. And if not, come anyway, uh, just to hear all of the things that the MCCs are up to. It is absolutely wonderful, the work that they do in our community. Next, music with Wayne Unruh and the East Side Choir. This is a sing-along, and it is in benefit of the Turtle Mountain Bible Camp, and it will be at the McDermott Drive Alliance Church on April 23rd at 7 p.m. And there is a sign-up in the back if you are interested in coming, but you need a ride. Uh, it will be a wonderful evening. This is what we are doing in lieu of music in the church for the month of April, and I am excited to see the East Side Choir back together again after, and we were debating. We're thinking it was 2018 was the last time. And so I, I am excited to see them at it again. They were practicing last night. I'm told that it is going to be great. And so make sure to mark that down, April 23rd, 7 p.m. Uh, at McDermott Drive Alliance Church. If you need a ride, sign up in the back. April 25th in the evening, uh, there is going to be a celebration of willing helpers. This is for all of the ladies at the church. It will be remembering all of the times that Willing Helpers has had, but also thinking about what is to come. And so it will be a celebration of life. And if you haven't already gotten it, there should be a, uh, something in your mailbox that talks more about it. So ladies, put that down April 25th. Uh, it'll be at 7 p.m., I believe. And April 29th, this one isn't on here, I'm going to add it on. April 29th, 2 p.m., here at the church, there is going to be a baby shower for uh, Rihanna Herrera, uh, nee Rihanna Hodges. Uh, their baby is due in June, which is very exciting, and so come on out to support uh, the excited couple like that. April 29th at 2 p.m., and one final thing, uh, if you haven't already noticed, this is for after the service. There is all of the baked goods on the back. My wife was like, it's Easter, let's have baking for church. And so there is Pasca back there and cinnamon buns. And for my own waistline, please go back there and get some afterwards. They are delicious. <laughs> that is something I ask of each of you. All right, any more announcements? What? Well, I'll have to ask you later what that announcement is. All right. So, then for items of prayer. The first, it is Easter. And that is an absolutely wonderful thing. And so we're going to want to pray for that. We're going to want to pray that in the reality of our risen Lord, we are struck by that in ways that we never have been before. 
That is something we want to pray for. We're going to want to also pray for healing for Betty Queering. Uh, there were some complications that came up this last week. She had to be brought into the hospital again. It is looking like they are trying to find a spot in a care home, and so we want to pray for her. We also want to pray for pain relief uh, and healing for Bev Dale. Uh, she managed to get some treating, uh, treatment for her knee. It sounds like it is osteo arthritis, there we go, osteoarthritis in her knee. And so she got a shot for it, and it is a little better, but still there is need for more healing. And so we want to pray for that for Bev Dale. All right, let's go now then into a time of prayer. Our dear God, we come before you this morning first off praising you, praising you for what you have done for us. It is Easter Sunday, the day when we see that empty grave and we see you walking towards us. Lord, we pray that what that means does not slip us by. Lord, we pray that what that means does not just become something we place to the side, that we live instead in the reality of it, that we live instead changed by it. God, as we stand before you this Easter Sunday, looking back to that wonderful day all those years ago, we pray, let us shine to the world what you showed to us. That we pray. God, we also this Easter Sunday also see that we live in a world where there is still sadly pain. And so God, we want to bring our two sisters before you this morning, our two brave sisters. We want to bring before you first Betty. Lord, we pray that these complications can be addressed. We pray that healing can come. And Lord, we pray that if the care home is what is going to happen now, that there is an opening that comes nearby to her so that it isn't a problem at all for her children to come visit. Lord, it is a new step so very close on the heels of a different new step of her moving out there. And so we pray that your calming is upon her. We pray that you will be seen in how you care for her. Lord, that we bring before you. And we pray again for Betty. And we also want to pray for Bev this morning. We want to pray for continued healing for her knee. We thank you that the doctors could see what it is that the problem was as quickly as they could and that there was a treatment and we pray that the treatment takes hold stronger than it has so far. We thank you for just how much the treatment has taken hold already but there is still pain. So God, we pray that you will continue to heal her. We will continue to comfort her. You will continue to be the support that she needs right now. Lord, we thank you for Bev. We thank you for the conversation we have for her, and now our concern for her is before you. Lord, we pray for her as well. God, all of these things we bring before you this morning. And again, we say thank you this Easter morning. Amen.
And while this is absolutely a wonderful scarf, I think I am very hot. <laughs> so, is it on either side of the cross? There we go. Purple's the color of kingship, so this is... Oh, and it's a nice armrest. Huh. It is Easter Sunday, which means that I really should have started off when I got up here in the first place saying, He is risen. Oh, that is wonderful to hear. I'm also going to say it a number of other times, so be prepared. But because it is Easter, that means that we are going to be looking at the story of the resurrection. And we're going to be looking at it in the book of Matthew, which is one of my favorite tellings. And I, I have gone through it in the book of Matthew before, so I'm excited to come back. So, if you have your Bibles on you, and you haven't turned there already, Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. All right. Now, before this passage takes place, there is the rest of Holy Week. We, we've already gone through that on Good Friday, but to sum it all up, on, on Friday, our Lord was crucified. He was crucified because all of the sin of the world placed him on that cross, and he was also crucified because he marched into his city that is his throne, and he declared himself the king there, and the people that fancied themselves the kings there, and the people in charge there were none too fond of that. And so he was captured. And at the same time that he was captured, there was many reasons to think that all of his followers, all of his disciples, all of the people that were close to him, that they might very well have a target on their back as well. And so not terribly long after Jesus is put on that cross, we read the disciples went into hiding, where they are when our passage comes around at the beginning of today as well. But there were people that stood there. And when Jesus finally passed away, an earthquake shook the land in mourning of the death of our Lord. And finally, some of his more affluent followers took the body and put him in a grave. But they left him there. They were near the end of the day. And so they couldn't do all of the burial rites that they needed to. The list is pretty long. It takes a while to do all of those things. But a stone was placed in front of the grave, a big thing, hundreds of pounds rolled into place, and guards were put there because they didn't want anyone to steal the body. They didn't want any of those disciples showing up, and if they did, well, well, then they would be captured and their fate would be a bit in question as well. That is the end of Good Friday, and then comes the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, you don't do anything. And this is actually kind of interesting. This is one of the few Sabbaths in the entirety of the Bible where Jesus actually doesn't violate what the people of the time thought you should be doing on the Sabbath. All it took was an untimely death. And that's unfortunate, but also the day came to an end. And we come to the third day when our passage today begins. The disciples are still in hiding. The guards are still in front of the tomb. And there are two women on Sunday morning. Mary Magdalene, we're told, and the other Mary. Now, this is probably not Jesus' mom. It's probably the mother of James and John. Mary is an excellent name, even today. I have 
a baby Mary myself, but she's probably the mother of James and John, Mary Thunder. And what's interesting about the fact that it's those two is that these are two Marys who were also very close to Jesus, who were also very much so in that inner circle, who very much so are also wondering if they are caught, what will happen to them? And so while the disciples are in hiding, here stands Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and John. And they are walking towards the tomb, walking towards the place where two guards are, where they will not know what will come when they are found. But they are also walking towards the tomb of the Lord, the tomb of their friend, their confidant, the tomb of Jesus. And he has not had his burial rites yet. And so they owe him that. In the pit of who they are, they know that they have to do that. And so though they are afraid, together, bravely, they walk. As we go through this passage, I want you to put yourself in these two women's shoes. Because there is just a maelstrom of emotion that is going on here. They are walking towards the tomb of their friend, the tomb of the Lord. They are also walking towards what might be their death. So there is fear there. There is also mourning there. But there is also bravery there as they take one step after the other. And then they see it. And suddenly we read that there is an earthquake. An earthquake like the one that mourned Jesus' passing, but this one is somehow different. This one is violent, they say. It is so violent that it tosses that massive stone to the side. And again, these things are hundreds of pounds, those stones. And they aren't just sitting on a flat. Like there is a little kind of dips in. That's where it rests so it doesn't just flop over onto people. And it tosses it to the side. That's the kind of earthquake. And so imagine the fear going through them on this one too. They thought they knew how they might meet their end that day, but no, maybe it's going to be this whole other thing also. And so there's just this new thing. And yet, they stand tall. Suddenly, a man appears, we read sitting on top of the grave, the now open grave. And he shines, bright as lightning. His clothing was white as snow, it says there in verse 3. And his very presence, his very presence, and this is the interesting thing, the guards, they, they shake when they see him. They shake when they see him to the point where they just fall into a faint like death. These guards, these are men that have lived their entire lives with a sword in their hand. These are men that have lived their entire lives just kind of right on that brink of death anyway. And the very presence of these angels is enough that they fall down in a dead fear. And yet, the Marys stand tall. They are terrified. 
but they stand tall. Then the angel speaks to the women, don't be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he isn't here. He's been raised from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where the body was lying, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has been raised from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember, I have told you, Galilee is where the ministry began in the first place all those years ago. Galilee was where our Lord first started preaching the wonderful message of the coming kingdom, the wonderful message of our Lord reaching out to us. Go there. Tell the disciples to go there, and they will see him there. And the two Marys suddenly, though the fear is undoubtedly still there, you know how it is when you get really amped up. It takes a while for that adrenaline to leave you, but at the same time, because it's coursing through your veins, imagine how fast they are running down towards the city, excited because of what it is that they have encountered there. They fly towards the city with all that they are. They were walking before bravely. Now they are running with all that they are and suddenly a man appears again. They see him. They recognize him. And while nothing up until this moment has caused them to fall to their knees, the presence of our Lord. How could they not? Greetings, Jesus says to them. The way that that is worded, that greetings there, that is the same greetings that gets used elsewhere with the greetings, my brothers and sisters. Greetings, my sisters. And then after a while, we're not told how much. Don't be afraid, but go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee. They'll see me there. The word of the Lord. He is risen. As I said before, this is a passage that I have preached on before. I mean, every Easter. It was one of the different Gospels, but this one I think was the first one I ever did. And so, when I was trying to find what I would really focus on when I came here today, I, I was going through all the books that I could find. And one thing that they all pointed out is just how important it is to know who it is that are the first two people that see our risen Lord. Is it the disciples? Is it the chief priests? Is it Caesar in Rome? No. Two women. 
I've talked before a number of times about how this is a period of time where women certainly did not have it good. Although I don't know if I've ever actually explained the rationale that was given as to why that is. Because every period that has ever existed since the dawn of civilization, we've been kind of terrible towards women in one way or the other. Sexism has been there that whole time. And also every generation has some version of its own rationale as to why we can treat half of our population worse than the other half and why that's okay. And the rationale that they used then went like this. Look at the story of the fall in Genesis 3. Who is the one that ate of the fruit first? Who is the one that saw sin enter the world first? It was Eve. And so clearly, here we're at the part where that is a scriptural thing. But the problem that we get to is the next part. So clearly, what that has to mean is, is that women are more inclined to sin than men are. And because they're more inclined to sin than men are, then obviously they need to be kept in place for their own good. That was the actual justification that's given by a number of rabbis from this period of time. Not everybody from that time believed it. Paul notably does not. Jesus does not. The reason that Paul talks so much about why it is that Jesus is the new Adam and we don't really get anything other than that. But that doesn't change the fact that that was kind of the excuse that was running around in the background. And I'm going to go out on just a limb here and say probably some of us here have heard that before as well. I know I certainly did growing up. I don't think that it was something that was preached in church, but between other friends in other churches that I knew or just reasons given for why it is that the women of the congregation couldn't do this, that, or the other thing. Like, it was something that came up. And that's unfortunate because it's a terrible bit of theology for a whole host of reasons, some of which we'll get into a little bit. But, but the fact that that rationale was there had major impacts on the life of women from this period of time. One of those being that also from this period of time, it was simply assumed that women, their testimonies, it was a bit of a question whether or not their testimonies would actually count in a court of law. Because after all, if the sin was such a big deal, well then, you know, you can't trust women. And so you need to corroborate what they said with the word of a man. And just think for a moment of the implications of that. They are horrible. That was what life was like for women in this period of time. Now, keep that in your mind as we look at the passage again. Because what does it say that of all of the people that our Lord Jesus Christ could have possibly revealed himself to. It was the two Marys who saw him first. That means a lot of stuff. To begin with, 
This has been used as one of the proofs as to why the story of the resurrection has to have happened. I mean, after all, if the disciples and the people that wrote the Gospels, after all, if they were just going to be making up a story, clearly they could have made up a better story than it was just these two women were the first who saw Jesus. They could have made up anything at that point. It could have been the disciples. It could have been, well, I don't know, Caesar himself in Rome. It could have been one of the chief priests. If they're making it up, they could have made it that it was a series of people that would be more trustworthy than these two. So the fact that it is those two, well, then obviously that has to mean that, well, they're telling the truth. And that is a good thing to take on top of the many other reasons why we believe that this actually happened. Some of the greatest among them being that the lives that the disciples and the followers lived going past this, if it didn't happen, then why did they go to the extent to death even that they did, living with everything that they are, that this was true? All of it together, there's, this happened. So that's a part of what we can take, the fact that there's these two Marys, the first that Jesus shows himself to, but there's also this. In the story of Genesis 3, the story where sin enters the world, it is Mary who eats of the fruit first and then Joseph. Oh, then Adam. Thank you. And now... It is two women who were the first to know our risen Lord. There are two women who are the first to proclaim the glory that our God has come and has risen. Any amount of extra reading that we put on to that. That that original point where sin entered the world is there. Now, clearly, it has been undone. Because through the line that the sin originally entered the world, here we are now. And it is that same line that first sees God and first proclaims him to everyone around them. That reading that because it is Eve who sins first, that clearly that means that women should be cursed and all of that. It's a bad reading of scripture. It's a bad reading of scripture for many reasons. But even if you hold to it, The fact that of all of the people that Jesus could have possibly revealed himself to, it was these two women, means that even if you do hold to it, clearly our Lord Jesus does not. There's a lot in that tie between this passage and Genesis 3. 
in Genesis 3 when we see sin enter the world. We see what sin truly is. We see that what sin truly is are all the ways that we are distant and strained from God. We see all the ways that what sin truly is is are the ways that we are distant and strained between other people and ourselves. We see that what sin truly is is all of the ways that our relationship with the world around us is such that we can't help but destroy it. That is what sin truly is. And all of the individual things that we think that sin is, they are just those things playing out. That is what we see in Genesis 3. And then we look at our passage today, and we see that the earth itself, now that the Son of Man has come, is paving the way for him. The earthquake tossing the rock to the side. We see that all that keeps us from knowing our God through Jesus Christ is done away with because the women, they find our Lord and they fall to their feet in front of him. They worship him. They recognize who he is before anyone else. Everyone else, they look at him and it's kind of like, well, who are you before it snaps? But they just see him. It shows that the sin that causes us try to make some of us think that we're better than others is done away with as well. Because here is the largest group of people that have ever been pushed below. And they are who our Lord chooses to lift up first. What we see in the resurrection is that sin, all of the sin, has had its back broken. That sin, all of sin, has lost its authority over us. What we see in the resurrection is that sin, all of sin, no longer has any power over the way that we are to live our lives and the reason for that is because our Lord now lives again. The kingdom has come. The kingdom that our Lord has been preaching about since the beginning of his ministry all those years ago in Galilee. The kingdom that will see the low lifted up and those that are too big for their own good brought to the same level. That kingdom can see that it has finally come here. We can see that the low have been lifted up here. We can see that those that are too big for their own britches, the guards here, sword in hand, the disciples that sometimes get a little bit too big in their own minds, they're the ones that are in hiding. They are the ones that wilt like paper in the rain before the power and majesty and the glory of the coming kingdom of heaven and our coming of our Lord. And yet those who were low, these two women, they are the ones who stood strong. They are the ones who are brave. They are the ones who go forth and they tell the whole world that our Lord has come. The kingdom has come. 
my brothers and sisters. You can see it in our passage today. And while we look in the world around us, it might not always feel that way. It doesn't change that from the moment that our Lord was risen from the grave, the foundations were set. Out from that grave, the walls of the kingdom were being constructed. And so now that sin has been dealt with, now that our Lord is risen, now it is our time. Now it is our time in the glory of our risen friend and savior and Messiah. To build the kingdom of heaven to the corners of the world. Sin has been dealt with. Our Lord has come. He is risen. So let's go and live in the truth of that. Amen. Please stand. He is risen. Please turn in your hymn books to number 234. Crown him with many crowns. Um, please feel free to sing loudly. Raise your hands in worship if you want. And we'll sing the first three verses and then pause for the benediction. And then we will sing verse four after that.
one last time, he is risen. He is risen indeed. I want to again invite you to the back. There is Posca and cinnamon buns, and they, I will tell you already, are quite delicious. So, I hope to see you back there. But for our benediction, we turn to the book of Hebrews. And now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ all that is pleasing to him. Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep by an everlasting covenant signed with his blood. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Go now and serve our God. Thank you.